Do you want to learn about Microsoft's significant investments and focus in healthcare, an industry that represents 19% of gross domestic product? Would you like to learn from an incredible business leader who's made her mark by putting people at the center of her approach to leadership? And are you interested in how you should think about growing your business in 2024? Then you've come to the right place. This is the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, the top partnership podcast. In this podcast, Vince Menzion, a proven partner sales executive, shares his mission to help leaders like you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. And now your host, Vince Menzion. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host. And today, I welcome Nina Somerville is the Vice President of the U.S. Health and Life Sciences Business at Microsoft. Nina and I had the opportunity to work together during my decade at Microsoft, and she is both an incredible leader and human. You'll learn about the U.S. Health and Life Sciences Business. It's an incredible business opportunity for any partner, but also the human side of how this leader engages with partners and her team to drive results. I hope you learn from this discussion as much as I enjoyed welcoming my friend, Nina Somerville. Nina, welcome to the podcast. Vince, it is so good to see you. It's good to be here and good to see a, an old friend and face, and I am not commenting on your age. Just good to see you. We have known each other for quite some time. I think it's going on 16 years. It might, be, it might be longer. It might be longer. Well, we had the opportunity to work together at, at Microsoft. Not only that, we had adjoining office spaces, if, if you recall, back when I first joined the company. So I'm so excited to welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. It's great to see you. And your rise in your career, you are Microsoft's Vice President for the U.S. Health and Life Sciences Business, one of the most impactful verticals that I could think of. Kudos to you, my friend. So excited to have you as a guest today. Thank you so much. No, it's a it's an honor. And even hearing you say it, it's a privilege to represent the group. So thank you. For our listeners, maybe the one or two who may not know you mm -hmm. or your role at Microsoft, can you tell us a little bit about that and your mission, in fact? You bet. I'm fortunate enough to lead. It's the U.S. Health and Life Sciences. So what does that mean? Our payers, providers, med tech, devices, pharma, so everything you'd put in that category, which is a wide array. I think the exciting thing is it, in all of those businesses, there's an ultimate uh, patient outcome or health outcome that's really important. We have uh, everyone from account managers to technical specialists to specific solution area specialists. When you think of the portfolio from, from Modern Workplace to Azure to Dynamics to Surface, and beyond. So specialists there and then customer success folks who really help the customers um, deploy and use and find value out of the things they've invested in. It's exciting. It's exciting. And also to highlight Microsoft's investments. And I think one of the things that partners don't always understand when they think about a vertical and you and I were in public sector back in the day when we were the only verticals is the level of investment. Like you're basically the CEO of a business within the business. You have people and you can spotlight this or talk about this any way you'd like, but you basically have an entire organization across sales, marketing, 
and the customer operations and so on that you're driving and technology that you're driving against and supporting those customers. Is that right? It is. I won't even say me. I think really important is I lead a field team that touches the customers every day. The company invests overall in the industry. So there are health specific focused individuals, everything from former nurses and doctors to deep technical expertise in our engineering team, in our product teams, in our global marketing teams. We also have a worldwide health industry team that also touches the US. So it's beyond Nina's world of things. It is really health and life sciences as a focus for the company is really broad. And we get the, the benefit of bringing all those to bear for customers as they need them. This for partners specifically that are looking at this as potentially a new opportunity and those that are already in this space, healthcare is roughly 19% of GDP. And we were talking about this earlier, like Microsoft has really invested significantly. You just talked about some of those investment areas. They also have made significant dollar investments in technology over the years. Certainly, we'll talk a little bit about AI and Microsoft's announcements there. But also, I was thinking about the acquisition of Nuance, Mm -hmm. which was a significant acquisition just about two years ago, I believe now. Can you tell us more about how Microsoft thinks about investing in healthcare? Yeah, I think think most important is... Microsoft understands the importance. I I look every day at our team and and I talk about the opportunity we have to to change the future of healthcare for future generations. It it sounds cliche, I don't think it is. I think with AI infusion, with technology, with, and you mentioned nuance, it amplifies the value that the healthcare domain expertise they bring, the AI outcomes they bring paired with the history of Microsoft and the platform. a group of us were talking about it yesterday. I think the, the excitement is we can take people from cloud to digital to true AI transformation when you marry that portfolio and expertise. And I know we're on on, on your call today, but but we don't do that without partners. That, that yeah. does not happen. We have so many things that we can bring. It doesn't land at the customer. We don't execute. We don't scale without our partner ecosystem. I was just thinking about that because there, we can talk about, you, you have the payers, you have the providers, which are a, a significant portion of the business. You have life sciences and across each of those the verticals within the vertical, you probably have several sets of partners that you and your team work with. Um, thinking about this now in terms of how you're layering in and working with partners to support the business. But I want to spend a moment on AI, like mm-hmm. it's the elephant in the room. It's what everybody's been talking about. And I think about Satya here in a big way, mm-hmm. right? You and I both worked in the early, in the bomber days and now in the Satya days and probably noticeable chains and changes in the way the businesses run. But some big announcements recently on the AI front, what use cases are you and your team seeing? Yeah, you just mentioned the vast set of customers we have. And so I think the answer is it varies dramatically at every customer. What I've been finding really interesting and wonderful is we leave conversations just thinking way beyond all of the art of the possible. I think the hard thing for customers, and as we talk to partners, I think this is really important. The help we need is how do we pick those high value, low risk use cases to start? For the customers who aren't already on the journey, many are, how do you pick something that they can start and figure out, is my data ready? I always say, is is your data AI ready? Is my data ready? Things like Copilot getting a, t- a touch and a taste of how AI can be infused in your daily work to start. And then 
there, there is a sky's the limit. You could spend way too much time figuring out all the possibilities and, and not start. And so I think where I'm finding the most um, exciting partner conversations is really helping those customers start. And, and, and it's hard because we get excited by a, the million possibilities. Do you have an area that you recommend they start? You mentioned getting your data right, right? That's like garbage in, garbage out. We mm -hmm. all know. Right? So how do you think about that when you have these customer conversations? I do think there's a data component of making sure, obviously, that they're ready to take full advantage of the capability. I think back to, you know, we take responsible AI really seriously, which is there. So, so we've actually, we've found that our HR teams, our legal teams are talking to legal on the other side to say, hey, here's how we think about responsible AI. So I think having open conversations about those that have done it and how did they do it? And then back to what I said, which is what are those low risk but high value places where you can be sure that the data that's being accessed is within your environment and that it is it is something that you can test and, and implement and watch to, to make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, that it makes sense before you, you go do a massive massive uh, project. And so again, I think that the, the key is it depends on the customer where they are. And so I think it's really personalized. Of course, within a given segment, we can say, hey, it happened here. Now we can replicate and we are seeing some of those. Um, but I think the help is helping the customer figure out where they can start. Yeah. And you reminded me when you were speaking about the attorneys and HR and all those different groups getting together about HIPAA compliance, right? So that you're in a regulated industry. There's a level of security and in fact, risk around sharing data. Sure. So how do you think about that as an example? Yeah, I think, I think we're still, we, we have a ton of mature customers who are very deep into this. And so I'll, I'll make some general statements that don't apply to all of them. But I do think we still have a lot of fear in the system of what is AI, what's accessible, how will people be, uh, you know, using hallucinations as fact. And so I think from a compliance standpoint, one, it's, is your data secure? Are you using AI to search and bring out outcomes from a subset of data that you can keep in a secure way? We're not talking about public web searches, right? And so I think it is really important in how you set up the data, what AI is accessing and what the people are accessing. As you. So let's think of a, a call center, a contact center. You, you call in, a, an agent is doing an AI, a search and using AI to bring forth outcomes, but from a subset of content, not everything on the web. It's about that setup and about that protection, but it's also educating people of that it can be done in a safe way. Yeah. And Brad Smith, your president and chief legal officer always talks about responsible AI. That's for, built into his talking points and the mantra that he shares. Absolutely. With Absolutely. Yeah. So I love to talk about partners. This is the ultimate guide to partnering. And you've been around partners pretty much your entire career, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly. What do you see from the best? Like, what do you see from the best partners you work with in the HLS business? Yeah, I, th I think we have to, at an exec and a leadership level, align on priorities. And, and we have to look at joint customers and say, how could we do better? Uh, I think sometimes where we stall ourselves is where we keep just doing that when really we need to get our respective account teams together. The folks on the ground at customer fill in the blank. What's that account plan at that customer? And, and then we can bubble up 
things that we can repeat across other customers, then we can talk at an exec level. It, it, it's wonderful to know the execs at Microsoft. It's wonderful to know leadership. It's also really important that on the ground, we're operating in a cohesive way. And so yeah. often that's my immediate follow-up to partner conversations, which is let's get the teams together and align them because they're doing the real work. My, my individual contributors and my first line managers who are with the customers every single day, they know better than talking to me. And so I think that's the, the most important is that we're aligning at each customer, uh, which is hard. That's hard to scale, especially depending on the size of your organization. So I, so I also then think often the first place to start when as a new partner to Microsoft is where are we already both somewhere? If we're both there, what are we doing there? What insights could we share together about a customer that we're both serving and helping? And where can we show up better together? And also speaking the same language, right? Mm -hmm. I, my eyes were opened actually just when the event, we were talking about the event we just hosted back in November, we did a session on MSEM mm -hmm. and I was hesitant to even do it. Like, why are we going to do a session on MSEM? That's Microsoft's sales methodology. Mm -hmm. It was one of the best sessions. We had Elliot Dunlap come from Dallas and do this session and it became really clear to me, like, we're not always speaking the same language. Like your team is here and having a conversation. And then all of a sudden a partner comes in. I encourage partners to come back and listen to that session because you really have to understand Microsoft's approach and speak the same language Microsoft speaks to about the customer. No, I totally agree. And, I, and, and beyond sales methodology, I would actually just call it an orchestration plan. It, it is how we, with, and I, I mentioned the various roles and within our teams, there are many roles. It's how do we orchestrate beautifully when we show up at a customer? How do we hand off from the technical person to that customer success person um, to, to maybe an implementation partner? If we don't understand each other, that doesn't happen and we're clunky. And every company calls customer success a different thing or calls a technical specialist a different thing. And so we do have to understand each other. You're totally right. We can go deep on this one, but I think we'll save that for another session. <laughs> uh, so what about partners that didn't get it right? Whether it's in this role or various roles that you've had at Salesforce and Microsoft and Oracle, in fact, if I remember going back far enough in your career, what did you see partners do wrong, I guess, is what I would say, or where they failed? And you wish you had said to them at the time, I just wish you'd go do this the right way. What would you have said to them then? I feel like everyone has wonderful intent and we all have our personal goals. So one, it's on both of us to understand each other's goals, priorities. So that's on us too. I think sometimes we might've failed together and I wouldn't necessarily say that there is a, there's a point. I think easier for us to consume in our massive scale is just really understanding what you can deliver to a customer. Do we deeply understand how to partner with you as well? So I think sometimes there's a lot of trying to serve us and no, there's such deep expertise in the partners. I think it's more that true understanding at the field level. But I would also say, back to my statement of let's figure out where we both already are. Sometimes the, hey, call me if you need X. It's like, okay. But it's easier for me to say, hey, we're both here doing this work. Let's do this together. So I think yeah. that gets lost. The, yeah. the pitch of call me if you need something 
I, I equate it to this, Vince. This is a little silly, but when you have a sick neighbor or a relative that needs something and you say, call me if you need anything, they, they won't. You just have to show up. And so that that's the, the, the way I would put it. So would you put that on both sides then? Would you say on your team as well as the partner team? I would. And I think, again, we all get busy in our day jobs. And so I think where we are already both doing work is the easiest place to start and understand each other. Then we can go other places together. I agree. Going deep together, right? Mm -hmm. Like belly to belly into an account, mm -hmm. working together. And I think Vince having hard conversations when it's not working. Yeah. Agreed. Again, it's back to the same as like your relationship with your neighbors. Stop doing that. It makes me mad. <laughs> we have to have honest conversations too. I talk about being deliberate or aggressive in a diplomatic way. Is mm -hmm. the way I sometimes say it. Having that transparency with empathy. Of course. That you go back and say, look, at this isn't working. And I, let me explain to you why and what, how it could be better and what good looks like or what great looks like. Yeah. And I say, I talked earlier about the vast resources at the company focused on health and life sciences. There's a vast partner ecosystem doing great work in health and life sciences. The customers are our collective customers. And so there's just got to be a mutual respect as well. At Ultimate Guide to Partnering, we're excited to continue our partnership with AG1. Friends who know me well, including those of you who listen to this podcast, know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 22 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About seven years ago, I made AG1 part of my morning ritual and protocol. I take AG1 the first thing every morning. It covers all of my nutritional bases, supports my gut health, and is a boost to my immunity and energy levels. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. Nina, I'd love to pivot. As you might know, I am fascinated with the career journey. I've spent a lot of time mentoring earlier in career professionals, and I've got to see your rise, in fact. I don't know what your title was when we first met, if it was director or senior director, but being a VP at Microsoft's a big deal. So I'd love to deep dive a little bit here. Was there a spark? Was there a pivot? Or was there maybe a mentor that came into the room that helped you propel to this incredible spot in your career? I, I really say I meandered. I was a teacher, a high school teacher for five years. I think when we met, I was a SharePoint SSP in federal probably, but wow. maybe not. Maybe by then I had to, was doing something else. But, yep. I, you know, I think the important thing is try things. I just yesterday ran into someone who, it was the first manager job and it was, do I take this field sales job or do I take this people manager job? And I cared more about helping people and chose that path. And those little moments, I think, just help you get places. But I've had moments in time where I have a goal. I want to be my boss's boss's boss. Um, it's worked out better when I just look to try experiences and experiences where I think I can make a difference. And, and that meandering along the way ha has worked out. But again, I, I don't think there's been a specific thing. And I, I will say I've had such a luxury of working for just really good people. And of course, smart, of course, 
course, great at their jobs, but but just good people. And so if, if people always ask me, like, do, who do you follow? What do you do? And I say, you stay around good people. I think that's the most important. So you make it sound so like meandering feels so casual. <laughs> like, and I don't see, I mean, I don't see it that way. Right. I think, I think you're incredibly bright. I think you're, you've got passion about what you do. You're also, I'm just going to sh- share this. Like, I think you're a really great people person. Like I've always found you to be that. So is there a superpower there? Come on, peel back for, for me a little bit here, because I do think there's so much more to Nina than, yeah. than just meandering. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind. I, I think, um, I, I do think there is put people first, just, just straight up put others first and you will rise naturally by doing that. Other people's good work that you help facilitate is better than promoting your own. And, and I think that's, what's probably served me well along the way. And I, and I believe in that wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. I always feel like the people that are really out promoting themselves, they'll get there. But but the people that really take stock in all the work that people around them do, it, it naturally will help you. It might be slower, actually. It might be yeah. slower. Um, but then I think it's real. And that's that's the most important to me. And 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 I really, you know, I think get get to know everyone around you, how they are and, and that's getting harder. My team is really big. There are a lot of people that work on my team that I don't know. So also putting good leadership in place. And so that first line leader is the most important job in the company because they really take care of that team and know the team and know how they like to be recognized and know what's going to put them in a place where they're thriving. And so as I've done bigger jobs, that having really good leaders has been one of the most important things. What traits do you look for in a leader? Yeah, I think there's balance across the team is really important. If, if everyone knows the industry really well, it's okay to bring in someone that's a really good people leader, but that doesn't have that background. If everyone knows the data really well, is there someone else who focuses more on people? I think balance and, and obviously diversity and inclusion is huge, important to, to any company, especially at Microsoft. Um, but I just think the balance across an organization and, and, and we're like that. I, I have great leaders that work for me, great leaders I work for. And I think we balance each other nicely. And, and that's really going to just, just up everybody's game. So I'm going to ask you a, another hard question is how do you um, avoid the unconscious bias of hiring a person who's just like you? Yeah, well, I think we have to be really intentional. Um, we have some programs internally that help us have some sort of outside views when we're looking at hiring to make sure that, that it's not just our, our opinion. But I think you have to have constant um, looking for a bench of leaders. You should know a massive network of people that could fill the next job that you might have open. Because if you, if you have to act quickly, you're going to grab that person closest to you that you know the best. That's probably the easiest. So it's, it's a long game. It's actually not about that moment in time, um, but also engage other people in your choices so that you aren't short sighted. We, we all will we'll, we'll all do it. Yeah. So make sure you have almost like a board of directors supporting you in that, in that decision process. Yeah, I really love that. So this is a favorite question I have. Um, you are hosting a dinner party mm-hmm. and you can invite any three guests from the present or the past. Mm hmm this amazing dinner party. And we could talk about where you want to host it maybe even as a possibility. 
who would you invite and why? Hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a couple versions of this. So I have, I have a couple versions. There, there's a personal version, which is I want to have myself at 10, myself today and myself at like 95. Just, just wouldn't it be lovely to know how it's all going to turn out and, and, and how, you know, where, where it's all come from. So that there's, there's a personal version of, of that. Um, current, current state job. I think it would be incredible to have a dinner party right now with all of the future CEO and CEO directs past and future of Microsoft. Very cool. Can you imagine just how much has changed in the last 12 months? Can you imagine that, that, that look back to even just 10 years down the road, what, what life is going to be? I, I think it'd be just fascinating to get Bomber, Gates, and Katya yeah. in a room together, let alone who's going to be the leader 10 years from now, right? Who's going to be the successor? 100%. And you know, I, I, you say those three names that, and, and they're so much different, obviously, yeah. but um, but I spent a long time at Microsoft and I, I was gone a little bit and I came back and and I think the one thing that sticks with me a lot, uh, Satya says it, and and I've, I feel like it's always been a lived um value is that culture drives growth. And and I really do believe we keep that in order here. Um, yeah. because you don't you don't just drive for growth's sake. It's culture and that's a internal as well as with customers and partners. You know, you and I had the opportunity to work with Michael Gervais mm-hmm. when he was working with the organ. In fact, we just had him on the podcast, in fact, again, his fourth mm-hmm. appearance. And you you reminded me of the whole growth mindset and what we learned and how we shifted the organization back in those days. Anything that you feel is like, how would you remark on your, your days before and your time back now? What is it? Eight or nine months since you've been back. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what was the most remarkable moment from that? Like the the biggest takeaway for you? No, I think it's constant learning. Really. I think there's an openness to fail. There's an openness to share when you don't know. Uh, we've been talking recently about, you know, we can't prep for every meeting and spend time worrying about what other people think. And and Michael actually has that. I think that's his, you know, his his new book that's out is is about that fear of what the other people think. And you just got to be true to yourself and be honest with what you know and don't fake it. And it kind of goes back to what you said about um, leadership and and successes along the way. Those are the people I see shine the most when you really they are themselves, obviously in an appropriate and respectful way, um, but but being okay with what you don't know, what you're good at, what you're not, bring people around you who are good at the things you're not versus trying to be at all. Yeah, I love that advice. That's great advice for our listeners, Nina. So you have been an amazing guest, Nina. I just so love getting together with you and, and you're running an incredible business in health and life sciences. For our listeners, Mm -hmm. some of which may be in the health and life sciences vertical Mm -hmm. or business or verticals, and some that may be interested in working in your sector, two things, I guess, is what I would ask. One is how can they best engage with your teams? And then how can they line up for success in 2024? Sure. Well, I I think first, it, it is a thrilling place to be. So there, there is not another industry and team where you get to impact patient outcomes, wellness across the country, the globe, um, and, and an exciting time in technology to be able to influence that. 
it, again, in a responsible way. It's, it's thrilling. So one, jump in if you're not in, right? Um, two, you know, we engaging again, I would, I would go back to engaging at, at the geography or account team or customer level where there's already being work done. And obviously we can help navigate folks to the right place, but um, yeah, I couldn't be more proud. It's, 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 and, and, and I will tell you the folks on our teams have been in this business for years and years. There, there are a lot of folks who have chosen to stay in health and life sciences at Microsoft because of that passion for the customer. And so it, it, it is one of the best teams I've ever been around. I would agree with you. I got to know some of those folks over the years and uh, you have some incredible passionate people mm -hmm. around health and life sciences in your organization. So one more thing on the 2024 piece, like mm -hmm. how do, how are you setting up your team to be successful in 2024? Sure. So we are, for us, it's the back half of our fiscal year. So not a lot will change in our, in our next, uh, in our next six months. But, but I think we are always evolving to say, do we have the right specialists? Do we have the right alignment? Are we serving the market the right way? And again, here, I'll go back to, we need partners to help us scale. So what I would say too, is this isn't about figuring out Microsoft. It's also about come and share the work you're doing and the insights you have. We are always learning. And so I just look forward to meeting, uh, you know, so many, so many new partners and figuring out how we better touch and, and help the lives of more. I love it. I love it. We're going to have to get you up on stage at one of our upcoming events this coming year, Nina. So <laughs> I, uh, stay it, tuned. It, it is good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Nina, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for making time today for Thank our you. listeners. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm so excited to continue to bring you the amazing leaders that we bring to this platform. Now, well over 200 episodes. If you'd like to support us in a zero cost way, I would welcome you subscribing to the podcast either on Apple or Spotify or our new YouTube channel. That's a zero cost way to support the efforts that we provide and the great content we provide free of charge to you. Also on Apple and Spotify, you can leave us a review up to five stars. I would really welcome and appreciate that. And if you're not following us on social media, you can do so at Vince Menzione on all social media or Ultimate Partner on all social channels. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, it's a great way to keep current on all the amazing things that are happening at Ultimate Partner, our events, our community, and all the rich content that we continue to produce and share with you. I want to thank you for listening and supporting Ultimate Guide to Partnering and The Ultimate Partner.